Do you have any tips for people in our audience that might be considering switching to industry? Yeah, I mean, I have so many tips. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think it's fun to talk about my job. Welcome to the 36th episode of the Struggling Scientist podcast. This is a podcast by scientists, for scientists, anybody science adjacent, and perhaps even hobbyists. My name is Zanna, and I'm here with my co-host, Jaron. Hi. Today, we are interviewing Nicole Betts about her journey to become a marketing researcher at Integral at Science in the US. We got in touch with her because of her very interesting story of how she switched to industry after doing a PhD and a postdoc. And we're very excited to talk with her about this. So Nicole, welcome to our podcast. We are very excited to have you here. Thanks so much. I'm happy to be here. So Nicole, first off, could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? We always do the thing where we ask our uh, our guests to tell us about themselves first. So where do you come from? Where do you live? What did you study? And uh, for example, any interesting hobbies that you like to do? Yeah, sure. So I'm originally from the U.S. I'm from New Jersey, not too far from where I am now, which is Massachusetts. So I did my undergrad and my graduate studies at Northeastern University in Boston, Massachusetts. I studied um, cognition and development. So I originally started studying sort of emotion perceptions, emotion categories, and then I got interested in how people and specifically children think about science. So I studied that, particularly how people think about climate change. And I did a lot of um, work on how people and children think about biology in both my both my grad program and postdoc. And I did my postdoc at Yale. So I did about two and a half years at Yale after I got my PhD, just like kind of right after I finished. And now I'm a marketing researcher in ad tech for a few months. So definitely seems like a switch. Um, I have a lot of hobbies, probably too many hobbies. So like I like being outside. I like canoeing. I like swimming um, if my body's up for it. And then I also have a lot of indoor hobbies like painting and drawing and playing piano, stuff like that. Oh, that sounds really fun. So um, your uh, background is quite a bit different from ours, not only because you are in the US, of course, and we are in Europe, which is already a lot of differences, but also because you uh, studied a quite a different topic than we do since we are such fundamental biochemistry people. Um, yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about the type of research that you did? Sure. Um, so my research, I did a lot of qualitative research, which actually has really been useful in transitioning out of academia. So, for example, one of my big projects in grad school, I looked at undergraduate biology transcripts and I read like hundreds of undergraduate biology transcripts and coded them for different patterns of language, like different types of um, cognitive ways of thinking that we find are sometimes associated with incorrect um, understandings about biology. So, for example, One of them is like anthropomorphism, so assigning human-like traits to animals, which sometimes can make people think like, for example, that plants will find it refreshing if you water their leaves and like the top of their flowers, because I find it refreshing when I like splash water on my face, stuff like that. So um, I also did a lot of experimental work, for example, um, presenting people with different types of information about biology and just trying to figure out how that influences their understanding or their in interest in the subject. Uh, a lot of work with children and families and adults 
mostly a lot of like interviews, talking with people one on one. Very, very broad subject also. It sounds like a lot of fun also to uh, to at least have done your PhD and your postdoc into that. Yes. Yeah, I enjoyed it. <laughs> Good. So you have quite an extensive background in academia um, from what you've uh, told us and also from what you've shared on uh, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us and our listeners a little bit more about, about your experience in academia and why you decided to, it was not for you and why you decided to switch? Right, yeah. Um, I would say that I had like generally a pretty positive experience. Like, I mean, it's a PhD program. Not everything's going to be great. I had a lot of bad days too. Um, but I, I generally like enjoyed the work. I enjoyed a lot of the people that I worked with. Um, the things that I didn't like were more like systemic level mm. and like the job market um, and lack of jobs and stuff like that. So for a long time though, because I enjoyed the work, I enjoyed teaching and doing research. I was just on the academic track. I was like, I'm going to do a postdoc and then I'm going to get a professor job. I wanted like a small liberal arts college sort of experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I had a couple of health events that made me realize that my body was sort of incompatible with the demands that academia had for me. So um, I generally have battled like um, some mental illness, the depression, anxiety, as well as chronic pain from like mm-hmm. a genetic disorder for my whole life. So I'm kind of used to pushing through and just like having a smile anyway and doing things that maybe my body shouldn't necessarily be doing on a daily basis just to try to like meet up with the expectations of of the, of the program or my job or whatever. And like the past few years, I had um, some more acute illnesses and I had to have a surgery to remove benign tubers on my back and that in combination with like my genetic condition and um, chronic pain just made it literally impossible for me to keep up with what I had been doing in my mm-hmm. postdoc as well as trying to navigate the academic job market it's just so much work that you have to put into the academic job market to become competitive, particularly in the United States, at least that's where my experience is. So I just couldn't do it. And I didn't really want to do it anymore because I was just so, so exhausted. So I realized I needed to prioritize my health and I switched, um, switched over. So I started applying to industry roles and, um, I, I had a mentor in the process, which was really helpful as well. Yeah, about how how did that switch look like? How how did you start with that? You had a mentor, apparently? I did. So one of my best friends in grad school, she had an office right next to mine. She actually left the program early because of um, some issues like working with her mentor. And she just loved her experiences in industry. It took her a while to get into it, though. but Basically, she'll help all the people that she knew from grad school, just kind of serving as a mentor and helping us navigate this new space. So um, I met with her several times to just chat about her experience. She helped uh, by looking at my resume, providing feedback, helping by sending me jobs that she thought would be interesting for me, stuff like that, just like general mentorship. Um, I also knew of a lot of other people in my program who had switched to industry. So I did informational interviews with all of them just to learn about the different jobs that they took. And they obviously have a very similar background to me. 
So it was very useful to get all these different perspectives. Um, informational interviews are huge. A lot of it was just reflecting on what I wanted to do because I liked teaching and I liked research. So I was like, you mostly kind of have to pick a lane. Mm-hmm. You kind of should pick a lane in academia too, probably, but um, you definitely had to pick one for industry. Um, so my first non-academic job was an instructional designer which I loved because it was like prepping for teaching and writing all of this content and learning about new topics. And I just did that part time in contracting just to kind of get a sense of it. But um, I felt like I would miss research too much. And um, my mentor also told me that she thought it'd be easier for me to get back into teaching later on if I wanted to, like if tomorrow I decide, no, I want to try instructional design. She thought that would be an easier jump than if I had dove into instructional design and then tried to go into a research position after not having research in my background. So that's that's mostly what I decided. And I started applying to these research focused roles. It's really nice that you could use your contact so well for this and got so much information from other people. And that sounds really nice indeed and a good way to go about it. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so with that, Nicole, are you happy with your current position? A bit of a loaded question, I guess. But and does your position also offer you what you're you were looking for in terms of like the teaching op, uh, option as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm really happy that I made this switch. I felt just a lot of relief throughout, throughout the past few months since I started my role. I'm only in like month four or so, but yeah, I really enjoy most things about my job. I mean, it's a job, so it's not like <laughs> rainbows and butterflies all the time, but it's it's fun. I enjoy, I'm challenged by the work that I do. My team is amazing. I love the people that I work with. My manager is super supportive and is just really interested in helping me figure out how to continue to challenge myself and build skills in my job and trying to figure out how to best use my background to like benefit the company and also in ways that will benefit me so it it just has all these other elements I think of a workplace that I didn't necessarily have in academia because the PIs in academia are pretty busy they don't have as much time to work with the students to try to figure out all their goal posts and check in about those those goals like every single week because they're pretty swamped Mm -hmm. We are very excited to be able to introduce you to our new sponsor, Jenny AI. Not only does Jenny make our podcast possible, it also makes our life as scientists so much easier. Jenny is an all-in-one writing assistant that has everything that we have been missing in other AI tools. Yes, first off, unlike other AI tools, it actually finds accurate information in papers and cites its sources. It does not make things up and only uses real verified information that you can then also check the source of. Second, it's a writing assistant trained for academic papers and helps you write your paper by suggesting the next sentence or the end of your sentence. Or, if you get really stuck, you can ask it to write an entire paragraph, completely removing the writer's block I so often struggle with when I don't know the right words to make my point. It helped me write an introduction to a paper I've been struggling with in half an hour. It even suggests which papers to cite. You can add your own library or search the entire internet for papers, Just type the add symbol to easily add a reference and it gets automatically added to the reference list. And the last thing we absolutely love is that it has an AI chatbot that can see your document and give feedback on how to improve your manuscript. 
or you can ask it questions, such as what are the potential therapeutic benefits of dot dot dot, and it will search through the papers for you for the answer. I can only say that my stress level has gone down significantly since I started using Jenny. Check out the free version now at thestrugglingscientist.com slash Jenny. And if you love it, use the code SCIENCE20 for a 20% discount. I do have some teaching opportunities here too. So we have an, um, interns that, that work with us most, most of the year. And I get to mentor the interns on how to sort of navigate this new role and provide feedback on their research projects and their presentation. So it's, it's, it's been great. I get that. I get to have that experience as well. Nice. Yes. I love, I love helping students. It's always so much fun. <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit more about the role that you have now and what, what does that look like? Sure. Yeah. So I'm a marketing researcher for an ad tech company. So ad tech is this whole world that I just had no idea existed before this company recruited me. But basically, it's it's uh, we've like softwares and products that are designed to help facilitate advertisers who are purchasing um, for digital advertising. Mm -hmm. They purchase sort of programmatically, so it's really automated right now. And they basically just I don't know if you've used like Facebook ads or anything before, um, but you basically just like put in information about what kinds of people maybe you want to advertise to or what what kind of environment where you want to advertise. And basically what we do is we make sure that you're advertising to the places or people that you want to and um, not like robots so that you're not wasting your ad money, just just showing it to nobody and in sort of brand safe environments so that if you're a company like Disney, you're not accidentally advertising next to like a story about alcoholism or something that's just kind of off brand for you, right? Mm -hmm. so, so that's the kind of stuff that we do. My role in this as a marketing researcher is I mostly just do surveys with other um, businesses or media experts, people who are advertisers or maybe other people in ad tech. And I ask them sort of about our products or about maybe ideas that we have for our products to try to get a sense of where what direction we're going in. Does that match with what the people want, what our clients want? I also do some more consumer focused research. So asking just pretty much anybody like who consumes digital media. Um, so just the average person and ask them information about uh, about their experiences with ads. So, for example, do they like seeing those ads that um, are in similar environment that makes sense for them? Like, do they like seeing Disney ads next to family stories or something like that. Those are the kinds of projects that we do. And then I, I make slide decks that we share actually publicly, which is which is cool because I am actually able to talk about some of my research after we deliver it and share it with people so they can see what I do. And yeah, that's mostly mostly my deliverable, trying to make our products easier for our marketing team to market. Okay, very interesting. Yeah, that's great. Um... So along that line, um, what does an average day then look for you? Is it sort of all of that together or can you sort of pick and choose a day and really sp uh, focus on one thing or how does that look like? I think it's similar like in academia where every day is a little bit different because maybe I'm in a different stage of the research process. Maybe I'm doing background research, learning more about my products, or maybe I'm learning more about 
other research in the area that might inform the projects that I'm working on, or maybe I'm designing a survey. Maybe I'm working with our research vendors to try to have, have them help us collect the data or um, process the data. I might be analyzing it. I might be making a slide deck. I might be working with my students to get a sense of um, what, like where they're at in their projects, trying to provide mentorship. So it's a pretty dynamic role, actually. And I mean, I'm pretty busy, but it's not in an overwhelming way. I have like a manageable workload. <laughs> yes. And you said you are also able to do uh, quite a big part of it from afar, online. Yeah. Yeah. So my role is is mostly remote. So it's technically a hybrid role just because sometimes they'll want me to come in and, and touch base, but 90% of the time I do this all remotely from home. And then, and so it's been great because if I'm having a bad pain day, for example, I can take my break by just like lying down and resting for a little bit, or maybe I can do some of my work while lying down and it just saves me a lot of, a lot of pain and hassle. Oh yeah, that sounds pretty good. Do you miss having a team nearby in that sense? Or do you st still feel like you really connect well with the, the rest of the team and the people? Yeah, I think that we, we communicate all the time over Slack and everybody is very responsive and everybody's super helpful. So I do feel pretty connected to them. And I don't know, I'm, a, I'm quite an introvert, so I don't mind seeing them like once every other month or something in person. And I feel like we are doing the work to build those connections when we all do go into the office. And that's really the main reason why we go into the office is mm -hmm. just to socialize and, and chat with each other. Do you find that the skills and knowledge you've built up in academia have sort of translated well into your current job? Or was there a, quite a steep learning curve from the moment you got in of this is all new? Um, yeah, what was yeah. that like? I felt like my knowledge and skills in academia really prepared me well for this position. I know that others who have done similar similar positions don't feel that, um, in part, I think, because of the pace that often happens outside of academia. We're just not used to pushing forward with projects so quickly. Like my first project, I started and delivered like within two two months of of starting this role, which is definitely not a timeline we would be working with in academia so I mean I there were some things that I definitely had to learn a lot of it was more about marketing and ad tech and how to communicate with these these different people that I I, I think that the communication is super different mm -hmm. actually um, in industry versus academia so that's been maybe the steepest learning curve for me is just to try to figure out how to navigate that but in terms of designing the surveys and creating slide decks and analyzing the data, those are all skills that I had in academia. Okay. Do you have any tips for uh, people in our audience that might be considering switching to industry? Yeah. I mean, I have so many tips. <laughs> um, my my go-to is usually just to try to reflect on on what they want, like why are you thinking about leaving academia? What is it that you're looking for in a role? Um, what kind of jobs would you be interested in if you left? So I think a lot of it is just trying to reflect more and learn more about what you want out of a job, what you prioritize sort of generally in your life, whether that fits with academia. And if you have the bandwidth 
uh, do these informational interviews. So I know that not everybody is going to be as well connected as I was leaving academia. So you don't necessarily have a network of people that you can just reach out to and learn about your jobs. But a lot of people online are very, very willing to talk about their jobs. I don't know. I think it's fun to talk about my job. <laughs> so you can just reach out to people who have jobs that are cool to you and see if they'd be interested in having a quick like 15 or 20 minute chat about what it is that they do, kind of like what we just chatted about today with me and get a sense of what what their life is like and try to figure out if that's something that makes sense for you. Yes, those are very good tips, I think. Thank you so much for joining us this episode. Do you have any social media handles or links that you would like to share? Sure. Yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is NJoyBets. My middle name is Joy. Um, and you can also follow the Alt Act Chats handle, which is uh, a new Twitter that we've I've I've developed with a couple of my friends to try to promote these kinds of conversations about the sort of non-academic paths that we could take. Uh, we also will retweet anything if you use our hashtag all that chats and you can also just dm us ask questions we can pose the questions anonymously we're really just trying to help make this information more accessible to people so that they can make an informed decision about what path is right for their life that's great yes that sounds really really cool okay uh our listeners can also reach us uh via our social media which ones are those again? Uh, obviously, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook for sure. And a little bit on Pinterest. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we're the Struggling Scientist everywhere. We also have a website, thestrugglingscientist.com. Uh, you can also sign up to our newsletter on our website. And if you have any questions, suggestions, comments, papers you really, really need to read, definitely reach out to us uh, via thestrugglingscientist.hotmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope to see you next time. Bye. Bye.